0: hello everyone welcome back to another episode of the podcast hope you're all having a fantastic day today um this is it guys we made it we made it we're at the end of the month we're, we we only got four more episodes left four more and we're there we're done oh man oh man oh man oh man i've been waiting i've been sitting on this episode For so long. I mean, just just, just sitting on it, just holding it, waiting for the appropriate time to finally talk about this. And we're finally talking about her. Oh, I'm so excited. We are talking about the one, the only, the woman, the myth, the legend, Marsha P. Johnson. Now, if you don't know who Marsha P. Johnson is, oh, buckle up. It's going to be a long episode. Marsha is without a doubt one of the most iconic and most impactful people in the LGBTQ community to date. That is not an exaggeration. That is not me like saying that without fact. That is a fact. Ask anybody you want who has been in the community for a while and they will tell you how important Marsha P Johnson is to not only the community but also the movement itself and as well as her pivotal role in granting us the freedoms that we have that we have and enjoy today but you know you're not here to hear to hear me gush about her you're here to, you're here to we're here to talk about her and You're here to hear me recount her tale of what she did and all of her achievements and all of her activism, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So, let's jump right into it. Marsha P. Johnson, born on August 24, 1945, was an American gay liberation activist and self-identified drag queen. Known as an outspoken advocate for gay rights, Johnson was one of the prominent figures in the Stonewall Uprising of 1969. A founding member of the radical activist group Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR, co-founded by Sylvia Rivera. Alongside close friend Sylvia Rivera, a popular figure in New York City's gay and art scene, Johnson modeled for Andy Warhol and performed on stage for the drag performance troupe Hot Peaches. Known for decades as, welcome, as a welcoming presence in the streets of Greenwich Village, Johnson was known as, as quote-unquote, the mayor of Christopher Street. From 1987 through 1992, Johnson was an AIDS activist with ACT UP. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Early life... Early life. Um, Yes. Uh, Johnson was born as Malcolm Michaels Jr. on August 24th, 1945 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. With six siblings and a father, Malcolm Michaels Sr., who was an assembly line worker at General Motors, Johnson's mother, Alberta Claiborne, was a housekeeper. Johnson attended an an African Methodist Episcopal. Oh, Episcopal Church as a child and remained devoutly religious in later life, often taking an interest in Catholicism, but, as make, but, as, but also making offerings to the saints in a personal manner, keeping a private altar at home. Johnson first began wearing dresses at the age of five, but stopped temporar- temporarily due to harassment by boys who lived nearby. In a 1992 interview, Johnson described being the youth victim of sexual assault by an adolescent boy. After this, Johnson described the idea of being gay as some sort of dream, rather than something that seemed possible, and so, sh- and so chose to remain asexual until leaving for New York City at 17. Johnson's mother reportedly said that being homosexual is like, is, is like being quote-unquote lower than a dog. Jesus. But Johnson said that Alberta was unaware of the LGBT community. After graduating from the former Edison High School, now the Thomas A. Edison Career and Technical Academy in Elizabeth in 1963, Johnson left home for New York City with $15 and a bag of clothes. Johnson waited on tables after moving to Greenwich Village in 1966. After meeting gay people in the city, Johnson finally felt it was possible to be gay and was able to come out. Very very nice. She started off um pretty normal living in living in Jersey. Um and was very religious and um had to hide her identity until she was seventeen and moved to New York. Um that's very, 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 very cool. Um performance work and identity. Johnson initially used the moniker Black Marsha, but later decided to, on the dry queen name Marsha P. Johnson, getting Johnson from the restaurant Howard Johnson's on 42nd Street, stating that the P stood for Pay It No Mind, and used the phrase sar- sarcastically when questioned about gender, saying, it stands for Pay It No Mind. Johnson said the phrase once to a judge who was humored by it, leading to Johnson's release. Johnson very... Variably identified as gay, as transvestite, and as a queen, referring to drag queen. According to Susan Stryker, a professor of human g- gender and sexuality studies at the University of Arizona, Johnson's gender expression could perhaps more accurately be called gender nonconforming. Johnson never self identified with the term transgender, but the term was also not in broad use while Johnson was alive. Johnson's style of drag was not serious high drag or show drag. Due to being unable to afford to purchase clothing from expensive stores. Johnson received leftover flowers after sleeping under tables used for sorting flowers in the flower district of Manhattan and was known for wearing crowns of fresh flowers. Johnson was tall, slender, and often dressed in flowing robes and shiny dresses, red plastic high heels, and bright wigs which tended to draw attention. As Edmund White writers, in, writes in his 1979 Village Voice article, "The Politics of Drag," Johnson also liked dressing in ways that would display quote, the inter inters- the inter the intersect uh, between masculine and feminine. A feature photo of Johnson in this article shows Johnson in a flowing wig and makeup, and a translucent shirt, pants, and parka, highlighting the ways that quoting Kate. Millet's Sexual Politics, White says, she's both masculine and feminine at once. There is some existing footage of Johnson doing full glamorous high drag on stage, but most of Johnson's performance work was with groups that were more grassroots, comedic, and political. Uh, Johnson sang and performed as a member of Jay Kamika's international NYC based drag performance troupe, Hot Peaches, from 1972 uh, through, through to shows in the 1990s. When the a similar drag group, a drag troupe from San Francisco formed an east coast troupe the Angels of Light, Johnson was also asked to perform with them. In 1973 Johnson performed the role of quote, the Gypsy Queen, unquote in the Angels production, The Enchanted Miracle. About the comet Cahotec um, in 1975 Johnson, as part of a, quote, ladies and gentlemen quote, unquote, series of polaroids in 1990 johnson performed with the hot peaches in london now an AIDS activist johnson also appears in the hot peaches production the heat in 1990 singing the song love while wearing an act up silence equals death button um stonewall uprising and other activism here we go this is where this is where things get very serious Johnson was one of the first drag queens to go to the Stonewall Inn after they began allowing women and drag queens inside. It was previously a bar only for gay men. On the early morning hours of June 28th, 1969, the Stonewall Uprising occurred. While the first two nights of rioting were the most intense, the clashes with police would result in a series of spontaneous demonstrations and marches through the gay neighborhoods of Greenwich Village for roughly a week afterwards. Johnson has been named, along with Zazunova and Jackie Hormona by a number of the Stonewall veterans interviewed by David Carter in his book Stonewall the riots that sparked the gay revolution as being quote the three individuals known to have been have been in the vanguard of the pushback against the police at the uprising Johnson denied starting the uprising in 1987 Johnson recalled arriving at around two that morning and the riots had already started by the time by that time and the stonewall building was on fire after the cops set it on fire. The riots reportedly started at around 1:20 that morning after Stormae Delarvier De La, De La um, fought back against the cop, uh, fought back against the police officer who attempted to arrest her that night. Uh, Carter writes that Robin Souza had reported that fellow Stonewall veterans and gay activists such as Morty Manford and Marty Robinson had told Souza that on the first night, Johnson threw a shot glass at a mirror in the torch to bar, screaming, I got my civil rights. Sosa told the Gay Activist Alliance shortly afterwards that it was the shot glass that was heard around the world. Carter, however, concluded that Robinson had given several different accounts of the night, and in none of them, and none of the accounts were Johnson's name brought up. Possibly in fear that if he publicly credited the uprising to Johnson, then Johnson's well-known mental state and gender non-conforming, quote, could have been used effectively by the movement's opponents, unquote. The alleged shot glass incident also has also been heavily disputed. Prior to Carter's book, it was claimed Johnson had, quote, thrown a brick, unquote, at an officer, an account that has never been verified. Johnson also confirmed not being present president while the, when the riot when the rioting broke out, but instead had heard about it and went to get Sylvia Rivera, who was at a park uptown, sleeping on a bench, to tell her about it. However, many have corroborated that on the second night, Johnson climbed up on a lamppost and dropped a bag with a brick in it, down on a cop car, shattering the windshield. Following the Stonewall uprising, Johnson joined the Gay Liberation Front and participated in the first Christopher Street Liberation Pride Rally on the first anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion in June of 1970. One of Johnson's most notable direct actions occurred in August 1970, staging a sit-in protest at Weinstein Hall at New York University, alongside fellow GLF members, after administrators called um, cancel a dance where, when they found out was sponsored by gay organizations shortly after that Johnson and close friend Silvio Rivera co-founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries or STAR organization initially sti- initially initially titled um, Street Transvestite's actual revolutionaries um, the two of them became a visible presence at gay liberation marches and other radical political actions In 1973, Johnson and Rivera were banned from participating in the Gay Pride Parade by the Gay and Lesbian Committee who who were administering the event, stating they, quote, weren't going to allow drag queens, unquote, at their marches, claiming they were giving them a bad name. Their response was to march defiantly ahead of the parade during a gay rights rally at New York City Hall in the early 1970s, photographed by Diana Davis. Uh, A reporter asked Johnson why the group was demonstrating. Johnson shouted into the microphone, Darling, I want my gay rights now. Uh, During another incident around this time, Johnson was confronted by police officers for hustling in New York City. When the officers attempted to perform an arrest, Johnson hit them with a handbag which contained two bricks. When asked by the judge for an explanation for hustling, Johnson claimed to be trying to secure enough money for a tombstone for Johnson's husband. During a time when same-sex marriage was illegal in the United States, the judge asked what happened to the, this alleged hu- husband. Johnson responded, "Pigs killed him." Initially sentenced to ninety days in prison for the assault, Johnson's lawyer eventually convinced the judge to believe to that um, believe would be more suitable. With Rivera, Johnson established the Star House, a shelter for gay and trans street kids, in nineteen seventy-two, and paid the rent um, for it with money they. Made themselves as sex workers. Uh, while the house was not focused on performance, Johnson was a quote drag mother unquote of Star House and the long and the long standing tradition of chosen family in the Black and Latino LGBT community. Johnson worked to provide food, clothing, emotional support, and a sense of family for the young drag queens, trans women, gender nonconformists, and other gay street kids living on the street living on the Christopher Street docks or in their house on the Lower East Side of New York. In the 1980s, Johnson continued to play an active part in the street activism as a respected organizer and marshal with ACT UP. In 1992, when George Seagal's Stonewall Memorial was moved to Christopher Street from Ohio to recognize the gay liberation movement, Johnson commented, How many people have died for these two little statues to be put in the park to, be, to recognize gay people? How many years does it take for people to see that we're all brothers and sisters and human beings in the human race? I mean, how many years does it take for people to see that we're all in this rat race together? Uh, yeah. Marsha did so many things while she was alive that most people found extreme. Most people found to be over the top. But hearing those accounts now and thinking back to what the 60s were like for gay people and for the community. It's like the fact that she went out there. And she moved to this to the city with nothing she just she went there with clothing and fifteen bucks and made a name for herself and was able to live there and be able to be this voice is astounding to me' it's, it's 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 incredible that back then um there were people who were just like. Yeah, I'm, I've, if I'm like I want to do this thing, so I'm gonna do it, and there's not a single person who's gonna stop me from doing this, and it's amazing. Um, mental health and death. Now this is where it's gonna get a little heavy, especially when you, if you know the details of Marsha's death, you already know what's about, what's about what I'm about to say, but. Just for a warning, this section is going to be a little heavy. By 1966, Johnson lived on the streets and engaged in survival sex. In connection with sex work, Johnson claimed to have been arrested over a 100 times and was also shot once in the late 1970s. Johnson spoke of, ha- of first having a mental breakdown in 1970. According to Bob Kohler, Johnson would walk naked up Christopher Street and be taken away for two or three three months to be treated with... Clopro- clopromazine, an, anti- an antipsychotic medication. Upon returning, the medication would wear off over the course of one month, and Johnson would, would then return to normal. Between 1980 and Johnson's death in 1992, uh, Johnson lived with a friend, Randy Wicker, who invited Johnson to stay the night one time when it was, quote, very cold out, about 10 degrees Fahrenheit, negative 12 degrees Celsius. Though generally regarded as gen- um, generous and warm-hearted and saintly under the Marshall persona, Johnson's angry violent side could sometimes emerge when Johnson was depressed or under severe stress. Some felt it was, that it was more common for this to happen under Johnson's male persona as Malcolm. Uh, During those moments when Johnson's violent side emerged, according to an acquaintance, Robert Hyde, Johnson could be aggressive and short-tempered and speak in a deeper voice, and as Malcolm would become a a very nasty, vicious man looking for fights. This dual personality of Johnson's has been described as a schizophrenic personality at work. When this happened, Johnson would often get in fights and wind up hospitalized and sedated, and friends would have to organize and raise money to bail Johnson out of jail, or try to secure release from places like Bellevue. In 1979, Village Voice article, The Drag of Politics, by Stephen Watson, and further elaborated upon by Stonewall historian Carter, it had perhaps been for this reason that other activists had been reluctant at first to credit Johnson for helping to spark the gay liberation movement in the 1970s. Watson also reported that Johnson's saintly personality was volatile and listed a roster of gay bars from which Johnson had been banned. At the time of Johnson's death in 1992, Johnson was said to be increasingly sick and in a fragile state, according to Randy Wicker. Shortly after the 1992 Pride Parade, Johnson's body was discovered floating in the Hudson River. Police initially ruled the death a suicide, but Johnson's friend and other members of the local community insisted Johnson was not suicidal and noted that the, bl- the back of Johnson's head was, had a massive wound. According to Sylvia Rivera, their friend Bob Kohler believed Johnson had committed suicide due to an ever-increasing fragile state, which Rivera herself disputed, claiming she and Johnson had, quote, made a pact, unquote, to cross the River Jordan, a.k.a. the Hudson River, together. Those who were close to Johnson considered the death suspicious. Many claimed that whilst Johnson did struggle mentally, this did not manifest itself as suicidal. Uh, Randy Wicker said that Johnson may have hallucinated and walked into the river or may have jumped into the river to escape harassers, but stated that Johnson was never suicidal. Several people came forward to say that they had seen Johnson harassed by a group of thugs who had also robbed people. According to Wicker, a witness saw a a neighborhood resident fighting with Johnson on July 4th, 1992. During the fight, he used a homophobic slur and later Bragged to someone at a bar that he had killed a drag queen named Marcia. The witness had not was not successful in relaying this information to the police. Other locals stated that law later that law enforcement was not interested in investigating Johnson's death, stating that the case was about quote a black a gay black man unquote and wanting little to do with 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 it at at the time. Um, Johnson was cremated and following a funeral at a local church, friends released Johnson's ashes over the river. Police allowed 7th Avenue to be closed while Johnson's ashes were carried to the river. Former New York politician Tom Duane fought to reopen the case but because quote, usually when there is a death by suicide, the person usually leaves a note. She didn't leave a note. Unquote. In November 2012, activist Mariah Lopez succeeded in getting the New York Police Department to reopen the case as a possible homicide. After the NYPD opened the case, the police reclassified Johnson's cause of death from suicide to undetermined in 2016 victoria cruz of the anti-violence project also tried to get johnson's case reopened and succeeded in gaining access to previously unreleased documents and witness statements um she sought out new interviews with witnesses friends other activists and police who had worked the case or had been on the force at the time of johnson's probable murder some of her work to find Justice for Johnson was filmed by David France for the 2017 documentary, "The Life and Death: The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson." Um, tributes. The 2012 documentary, "Pay It No Mind: The Life and Times of Marsha P. Johnson," heavily featured segments of the 1992 interview with Johnson, which, which, she, which was filmed shortly before Johnson's death. Many friends of Johnson from Greenwich Village are interviewed for the documentary. Uh, Johnson appears as a character in two fictional films, film dramas that are based on real events, including Stonewall, 2015, played by Otoja Abbott, and Happy Birthday, Marsha, 2016, played by Maya Taylor. Both movies are creative interpretations inspired by the Stonewall uprising. The 2017 documentary, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, follows trans woman Victoria Cruz of the anti-violence project as she investigates Johnson's murder. Like Pay It No Mind, it relies on our arc- archival footage and interviews. New York City artist Anohany uh, produced multiple tributes to Johnson, including Baroque pop band um, Antony and the Johnsons, named in Johnson's honor, and a 1995 play about Johnson, The Ascension of Marsha P. Johnson. American drag queen and TV personality RuPaul has called Johnson an inspiration, describing Johnson as the true drag mother. Uh, during an episode of his show, RuPaul's Drag Race in 2012, RuPaul told her contestants that Johnson paved the way for all of them. Uh, yeah, and she has several more, um, the most, um, and I hear that the, the ones I've repeated with Sylvia and with, uh, Gilbert Baker where she was inducted into the Stonewall National Monument last year to coincide with its 50th anniversary. But here's one tribute that I really want to hit on, which was February 1st, 2020, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York announced that the East River Park in Brooklyn will be renamed in Johnson's honor. It will be the first New York State Park named after an LGBT person. Marsha did so much for this community, and I'm so proud to have her name associated with this group and have her name be shown so much and be so well received and so well remembered because she truly did a lot for this community even even if people don't want to admit it even if people want to sweep it under the rug because she had some problems just like any human being does um I'm glad that she has a legacy and people will remember her for years to come but um yes thank you so much for listening to this episode I'm gl- I hope you guys enjoyed it I'm so glad I got to talk about Marsha she's truly an icon and i love her so much um but you know close the affirmations you are loved you are seen you are valid you are heard you're doing great also donate protest educate sign petitions do what you got to do go out there make your voice heard you've got this keep fighting i believe in you all right thank you guys for listening see you guys tomorrow